Ah, <laughs> so in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So saith the Gospel according to John. So before I get too far into that, though, I'm Reverend Krista Erickson. So nice to meet you all. I know most of you. <laughs> and um, I'm very happy to be here today. Uh, the last time I spoke, it was about our thoughts. It was My title was, uh, is every thought a prayer? And if you missed it, the answer is, yep, it probably is. Um, but today I want to talk about the power of our words, because it's the natural progression from thoughts into words. And it's really hard to talk about the power of our word without bringing up The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Mm -hmm. Is anybody not familiar with this book, The Four Agreements? Okay, so we got a couple. So small book, short book, powerful book. And it's basically four agreements that you make to yourself that allow you to live your best life, to be the best version of you. It's a really great book. And um, the first agreement is to be impeccable with your word, which is where I stole my talk title from. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Miguel Ruiz, who wrote it, he says that this is both the most important and the hardest of the agreements to honor. And it's true because our word is so powerful and we don't truly understand that, but it is so powerful. So impeccable, that's intimidating sounding, isn't it? To be impeccable with your word. Impeccable, it means, it means, uh, what does it mean? I wrote it down. It means perfect. <laughs> it means flawless, faultless. If you look at the Latin of the word, you have im Picari, I probably butchered that, you guys. I'm sorry, I don't speak Latin. <laughs> but im means not, and picari means to sin. So impeccable actually means not to sin or no sin. And we know here that sin just means that you miss the mark. To sin is to do or to say something that is outside of truth. And I'm talking capital, tr capital T truth, you know, something that is outside of God. So impeccable simply means to speak the truth, to speak the godly truth. Because, you know, I think there's a difference between godly truth and human truth. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think we can all agree to that one. <laughs> so Ruiz states um, in his book that what you dream, what you feel, and what you really are will be manifested through the word, your word, through your word. All of that will be manifested. He goes on to say that the word is a force. It is the power you have to express and communicate, to think and thereby to create the events in your life. But like a sword with two edges, your word can either create the most beautiful dream or it can destroy everything around you. One edge of that sword is the misuse of the word. The other edge is the impeccability of the word. So we have a choice to make, to use our words to either create our best life or to make it miserable. And I don't think that any of us are intentionally trying to make our lives miserable, right? Like nobody here woke up and said, I want today to be awful. I just want it to suck and I'm gonna be angry and mad all day. Like, <laughs> I don't think anybody woke up thinking that, right? And yet, every single one of us has experienced moments days, maybe even years of our life in unhappiness, in 
possibly even despair and anger. And it's because of the words that have come out of our mouths. Not because of what's happened to us, but because of how we tell our story. And I can guarantee you, I would put money down on the fact that everyone here has said something that has caused harm in their life. That everyone here has spoken badly about themselves in some way. And that everyone here has felt regret for either something they said or something that they haven't said. This is part of the human condition. We're not, we're not impeccable yet. <laughs> but our words are so powerful that they shape the world around us. Ernest Holmes wrote, words carry the mind forward to a place and thought where realization begins. So where realization begins. The realization is the world as we perceive it. Because we all perceive the world slightly different. We all live in our own world. <laughs> Even though we're all here in the same room, we're all experiencing it differently than the person sitting next to you. How we speak to ourselves and how we speak to others is a direct causation to our perception. And those two things, again, what we say to ourselves and to others, are what affect us. And you might try to argue that other people's words can also affect us and can cause us harm. But I say it only affects you so long as you believe them. If you choose to believe them, then yeah, it's going to affect you. And if you believe them long enough, then you start repeating it to yourself. And then you start saying it to yourself and speaking it out loud. And that's when it changes your life. So... Let's imagine, you know, to kind of illustrate this, let's imagine a, a young adult who has grown up thinking for whatever reason that they're just not good enough. And then one day a friend or a mentor comes along and says, you know what, you are good enough. And that young adult is going to feel really good. They're going to be like, yeah, I am good enough. I am. I am. Because it feels good to be seen, to be affirmed, right, to be acknowledged. But by the end of that day, that young adult's probably going to go back home and Something's going to happen or something's going to trigger them and they're going to immediately go back to thinking that they're not good enough. Then the next day, somebody else comes along and says, you are good enough. And they think, oh, yeah, I am. I am. Thanks for the reminder. And he may even believe it a little bit longer this time. But again, he's going to go back to thinking he's not good enough. And that cycle is going to continue and continue and continue until that young adult finally starts to tell themselves that they're good enough. Because it doesn't really matter what the other person believes about them. It's what he believes about himself. Now, that's not to say that all of those other voices aren't important, because they absolutely are. They're a, a much-needed spark to light that idea in their brain so they can start to kind of grasp it, start to own it for themselves. You know, they're using their words to plant a seed of belief, but ultimately it's up to the receiver to actually tend to that seed and to sow and reap the rewards of it. So now we know that it's only our words that can affect us. So let's talk about how we can use them impeccably with ourselves and with others. And I'm going to start with how we use our words with others, because honestly, I think it's a lot easier to be nice to others than it is to be nice to ourselves. It's, it's the easiest one to change, you know, because I've said so many things to myself that I would never, 
ever, ever say to my best friend or my husband or even somebody I don't like. I say things to myself that I wouldn't even say to my worst enemy. And it's so easy to be nice to others and yet we still find ourselves occasionally, hopefully only occasionally, <laughs> not being nice. Because again, that's part of the human condition. <laughs> and there are lots of ways that we're not nice. And um, this ties in beautifully with what Betsy said earlier with her testimony. Um, gossip, things spoken in anger, lying, malicious teasing, all of these things. You know, anytime you have bad intent towards somebody, you're using your words in a negative way. And we've all done these things at some point. I know um, personally, I'm a lot better now than I used to be. Uh, I'm a little ashamed to admit that there was a point in my life where my group of friends would meet up multiple times a week for tea. And I'm not talking the type of tea that you drink. I'm talking the type that you spill, which is gossip. <laughs> but it seems like our entire friendship was really based around just like talking smack about other people, which is it's so terrible saying that out loud. Like it's really terrible saying that out loud. But it was the truth. It was the truth. And that's what, that's what we did. And, um, you know, you don't realize what you're doing when you're doing it. It's always in hindsight that you look back and say, gosh, I can't believe I spent so much time and energy talking badly about other people. Like, how, how could I even do that? And then eventually that, that acknowledgement of it allows you to step back and say, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. And not to say I don't ever gossip. I try not to. I certainly don't make, you know, tea dates. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, once I realized what I was doing, I made the conscious decision to stop. And now I do my best simply not to engage in it. And not just because it's wrong, but because if I use my words in a negative way towards somebody else, it actually affects me. Way more than it affects the person that I'm talking about. Um, because that means that I'm focusing on somebody else's perceived bad, what I perceive as them being bad, and I'm wasting my time thinking about them and getting angry about them and, or getting jealous about them or getting all of these things about them when it doesn't even have anything to do with me. And yet I'm the one investing all my time and energy and emotion into that situation. You know, or worst case scenario, the subject of that gossip finds out and confronts you about it. And then <laughs> you're literally confronted with your own words. Well, I heard you said this, this, and this. <laughs> Yeah, I did. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, I don't want that to happen. I don't want either of those things to happen. So even when I'm using my words towards somebody else, it's really me that's being affected. Because the other person, they can just, they can choose to brush it off. My words don't have to mean anything to them unless they want to. But it, I'm the one that's suffering from my negativity. Speaking in anger is another one that I've had to learn the hard way. I, um, it takes a lot for me to get really, really mad. But when I do, you do not want to be near me. Like I've, <laughs> I have, I have been known to unleash some nasty verbalness <laughs> in my anger. So what I've had to do is learn just to be mad and not say anything. I've had to learn to just sit in the emotion and experience the emotion until I can get to a place that I can verbalize with kinder words what I'm mad about. 
Because again, if I'm yelling at somebody, it might feel good in the moment, (laughs) but if I'm yelling at somebody, they are going to lose respect for me. They may start to fear me. And if I'm nasty enough, they may cut me out of their life completely. And again, my angry words are affecting me because of their reaction to them. And that comes back to me. Everything is going to come back to you. Everything that comes out of your mouth is going to come back to you. And um, now this obviously only works if the other party is willing to disengage in an argument. Thankfully, Tim has the patience of a saint. And uh, (laughs) I've been known to not talk to him for days at a time while I try to get my feelings and emotions under control. (laughs) But thankfully, that hasn't happened in a really long time. So... (laughs) At least I hope that works for us. <laughs> so, and the, the same, you know, the same exact thing is true with teasing. And I, I'm talking the malicious kind. You know, like sarcasm is my love language. So, like, it's my whole family's love language. So, teasing has its place, in my opinion. <laughs> but I'm talking the malicious kind of teasing. You know, the kind where you actually really mean what you're saying. But you say it in a good, sweet tone of voice to make it sound like a joke, but you really mean it. You know, like that's, again, you're going to, what you're doing is you're making others see you in a negative light because of your words. So why do we do that? Because we do, we all do that, right? Why do we do that? It's because we don't know any better. As for lying, another way that we treat people badly, You know, there's a saying, um, if you don't tell the truth, the truth will tell on you. Because lies always catch up to you and they always leave you with a mess to clean up and more problems than you started with. So I don't even think I need to explain that one anymore. (laughs) But I hope that these examples show how it's our words that are affecting us. Because in all of those those situations, it doesn't matter what the other party does or says. It's your words and actions that have reflected back on you and have caused changes in your life. You know, do unto others as you would have done unto you and all of that. So, So let's talk about being impeccable with ourselves. Um, Like I've mentioned earlier, this is something that is harder because we are so mean to us, aren't we? Like we can be, we can be our own worst enemies. But I'm gonna tell you right now that all of those negative things that you're telling yourself, all those lies, all those judgments, all of that noise that you've said to yourself, none of it's true. None of it. And I know this. I know this for a fact. I know it's not true because I know that every single one of you is a spark of divine creation. I know that every single one of you is one with God. And I know that you are perfect despite what you believe about yourself. And I know all of this so easily for you, in part because, you know, I spent you know, years in seminary learning this. <laughs> but because I, cause I just know it. I know you're perfect. I know you're perfect. I know you're perfect. Because how could you not be perfect? You are a creation of God. And yet we tell ourselves otherwise. And it's hard for me to say this to myself, though. As easy as it is, 
to say it to you, it's much harder to say it to ourselves. So I actually want to do, um, we're going to do a very quick exercise. I want you to look to the person of your left. If there's no one on your left, then you can just say it to yourself. And I want you to tell that person, you're perfect exactly as you are. Debbie, you're perfect exactly as you are. <laughs> I know you're... <laughs> If you haven't already, turn the other direction and tell the other person, you're perfect exactly as you are. <laughs> okay, so. You too, Will. <laughs> you too. <laughs> you too, Raisa. Thank you. So now I have a question for you. With a show of hands, when you told somebody that they were perfect exactly as they are, did you believe it? Yes. Now, another raise of show of hands. When you were told you were perfect exactly as you are, did you believe it? I'm glad, I'm glad there's a few yeses. <laughs> but there's a lot, a lot less yeses than there were before. And again, because it just goes to show you that it is so hard to accept our divine presence within. For ourselves. I lost my place. <laughs> okay, so how do we change that perception of ourselves? So for starters, surround yourself with people who are willing to plant the seeds of good thoughts in your mind. This is a great place right here to start, you guys. This is a really great place. I've never felt anything but uplifted when I've come to unity. You know, going back to the story of the, the young adult who didn't believe that they were good enough, it was this being surrounded by people that did see him good enough that allowed him to finally accept it and say it for himself. So surround yourself with those who lift you up and be one of those people as well. Lift others up because again, when you start lifting others up, you start to see the goodness in them, then it becomes easier and easier and easier to see the goodness in you as well. Those good words towards other bring good word or bring goodness to you, just as our bad words bring bad to us, our good words bring good. You can find a quote or write an affirmation that speaks to your awesomeness and read it every day, multiple times a day, but do it out loud. Do it out loud. Use your words. Again, this is just another seed being planted in your mind so that you can eventually reap the rewards that you're sowing. Yeah, and Sean often mentions um, looking into a mirror and saying, hello, God. Do that. If you haven't started doing that, do that. Say, hello, God, because it's really hard to criticize yourself when you're talking to God. It's really hard. Um, about a decade ago, I was certified as a health coach. And one of the exercises that we did, um, a health coach doesn't focus on the food you eat, it focuses on the mentality around consumption. And one of the exercises was to sit in front of a mirror comfortably, because this could take a while, and to look at yourself, to really look at yourself and see yourself exactly as you are in that moment. And then to look in your own eyes, in your reflection, and to say, I love you. And then you say it again, I love you. 
And you say it again, I love you. And you keep saying it until you believe it. And most people would report back that they knew that they believed it when they broke down crying. And it's not because they were sad. It wasn't that at all. It was because they finally started to accept themselves exactly as they were. Not as who they wanted to be, not as who they used to be, but in that moment they were fully accepting themselves and their bodies. And while that's an exercise for people to be comfortable with their body, you can do it for any reason. See the God in you. So, you know, try it. Give it a shot. See what happens. See if you end up loving yourself a little bit more. Another way that we can use kinder words to ourselves is to call yourself out on your own BS. (laughs) You know, sometimes we don't know how bad we are to ourselves. Oftentimes I say something and, um, and Tim will overhear it and he'll go, whatever. And then you know what I do? I defend the bad thing I just said about myself. I defend my own smack talk. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, I look fat in this. Oh, whatever. I do look fat. <laughs> I, mean, it's, I have done that, unfortunately, quite often, actually. <laughs> so, you know, when I was, um, when I was writing this, I, I, I really, it's kind of when I realized I did that. Because, um, again, you don't really realize what you're doing when you're doing it. It's only in reflection that you see it. But I, I decided that I need to stop. So my answer to this particular situation is um, when I'm being made aware by Tim, I'm going to say, you know what? I love you and I respect you and I value your opinion and I don't think you'd lie to me about this, so you're right, Tim. (laughs) That might be the only time he hears those words, though. (laughs) Is when he's saying good stuff about me. No. But you know, when somebody calls you out on your own negative self-talk, instead of defending that negativity, say, oh, maybe you're right. (laughs) Just maybe, I'm not as bad as I think I am. And we have to start believing. We really do have to start believing that we are as good as the people who love us believe we are. Wouldn't it be amazing if you could love yourself that much? If you could love yourself as much as your partner does, or your parent does, or your child does, or your bestie does, just imagine how good it would feel to love yourself as much as they do. We can get there. We can. It takes work, but we can get there. Now, another way to be impeccable with our words is to start keeping it. You know, keep your word. There's a reason for the saying, I give you my word, and it's because it's, a, it's powerful. Our words are very powerful, if you keep it. If you say you're going to do something, do it. My, um, my first really memorable lesson in this, I was in my late teens, and I had a, a very close friend, we were roommates actually, who was a trained opera singer. And she got a small role in the ensemble of a local production, and one of her songs that she was singing, she had a, a small solo in it, and she was so excited, and she was so proud. And, of course, I was excited for her, and I was like, I'm going to go. I'm going to be there. I'm going to see it. I'm going to be rooting you on. And I did. I, I went. I showed up on time. I was there with my then boyfriend at the time. We took our seats, and five minutes later, uh, a couple, presumably a couple, a husband and wife came, and they sat down behind us. 
And um, they both looked great. They were clean and, you know, dressed nice. And But this gentleman had a jacket on, a leather, an old leather work jacket. And I'm guessing that he was a painter because it reeked of turpentine. Like, it was just... It was bad, you guys, it was so bad. And we managed to sit through about half of the show, half of the production. But at that point, the smell was so intense that we were both starting to get headaches. And I was a teenager, you know? So for me, it was like, I didn't, I wasn't gonna turn around and tell this adult man, hey, can you please go take your jacket outside, you know? <laughs> so there was, um, I wasn't as, as boisterous back then. <laughs> but there was an intermission and the idea was that we were just going to go outside and get a breath of fresh air. And as we tried to exit, we were met by an usher who was also very young, probably a volunteer. She's like, we're not letting anybody out because it was because it was only a five minute intermission. So it was um, they didn't want people coming in and out because it would disrupt the show, which I totally get. And uh, we told her the situation. We're like this, you know, it just smells really, really bad. And she's like, I can't do anything for you. Again, she was probably younger than I was at the time, you know, so she didn't have any authority. And. My boyfriend and I, we made the decision that we, we just had to leave. We just had to leave, you know. And um, later that night, I missed, oh, and I missed her solo. I missed her solo. So later that night, when she comes home, and, um, you know, despite explaining in detail the reasons why I left, she was upset. She was really upset. And, um, you know, and, and I, I, can't, I can't blame her because this was so important to her. And I said that I was going to be there, and I wasn't. And it didn't matter what the excuse was. I didn't uphold my word. And to be totally honest, our friendship was never the same after that. It was never the same because it was that important to her. You know, and looking back, I, we probably could have just moved seats there. I mean, there were plenty available. But again, I was a child. I didn't know. I didn't know. You know, it's, uh, I'm still the type of person. Like when I get on the airplane, I'm sitting in the seat. My ticket says I sit in, you know. <laughs> so it's, um, but that was my first lesson. And it was, it was a really tough one because we had a very close friendship up until that point. Um, but, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't my last lesson either. I struggled for years being late. I was, I was never on time to anything. I was delusional. That's my excuse because I had two kids under the age of five and I thought I could get them in the car in five minutes. Uh. <laughs> so, and, and I was easily convinced that a 20 minute drive would only take 10 minutes but you know what happened was that um every time i went somewhere i was apologizing i'm so sorry i'm late i'm so sorry i'm late oh the kids aiden was being a butt you know <laughs> the traffic was so bad but the truth of the matter is again the excuse doesn't matter and what i got tired of was my apologizing I got tired of having to say, I'm sorry. And you know what? There are some people that'll just stop saying it. And I, we have a friend, um, <laughs> we have a friend, Ethan, he'll walk in three hours late and not even say anything. He's like, hey guys, you know, where, where have you been? Out. <laughs> like, <laughs> he owns it and it's awesome. I can't do that. 
I'm not that type of person because I felt bad because I felt that I was being disrespectful because I was wasting people's time, whether it was going to um, a class and I was wasting the teacher's times or my, my fellow students' times because now they had to catch me up. Or if I was going to, um, to a friend's house, you know, I had, oh, I'm so sorry I'm late, you know, because they were expecting me there earlier. I mean, regardless of what the situation was, I was just tired of apologizing. And the only way to not have to apologize was to not be late. So I had to adjust my life, believe it or not. <laughs> I had to admit the fact that it's going to take at least 10 minutes to get the kids in the car. 15 if Aiden's cranky. And um, I had to admit that I am not a speed racer, even if I want to be. And uh, 20 minutes drive is going to take 20 minutes. This was before Google Maps could tell you exactly how long, you know. <laughs> but I had to get real with myself is what it was. I had to get real with myself and be honest with myself and find my own shortcomings and what was causing me to do something that I didn't want to do, which was apologize. And <clears throat> sorry, I lost my place again. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> but what happened was, you know, when, once I eventually made the adjustments to my life, my words changed. When I showed up places, I wasn't saying, I'm so sorry I'm late. I was saying, it's so good to be here. What can I do to help? You know? <laughs> now, there's a few times, too, when I haven't stuck to my word to myself, that it's kind of come back and manifested through my body. I actually shared some of the story during the last retreat, but last year I broke my foot as well. And I had a few other health issues that basically meant the first like two thirds of my year was spent on my couch. And when I finally got better, I was like, I can do stuff. And I did all the things, I did so many things and my schedule was filled and I was having so much fun and I was having a great time, but I was so tired, <laughs> I was so tired. And during the retreat, I said, you know, I love that I have all of these good things in my life, but I really just need to calm down and I need to start saying no to all these things that are coming to me. But I didn't, I didn't say no. I kept saying yes and my calendar kept getting busier and busier and my body said, no, you're done. And I got sick. And I was sick for about a week. I had the flu. And I was like, okay, I'm being told I need to rest. I'm being told I need to slow down. And after, you know, four or five days, I was actually starting to feel pretty good again. And I'm making plans for the next weekend. This was the holiday season. So there's like a party every weekend, multiple parties on the same day in a couple of circumstances. Um, and then my body again said, nope. And my appendix decided to stop working. So I had to go get my appendix out, which put me out for a couple weeks. So the body has a way of holding you to your word if you're not careful. It actually just happened again this week. <laughs> Hope she's not watching. No. <laughs> One of my sisters, um, she's been dealing with some skin issues and, in my opinion, has been very dramatic about it. And... Um, <laughs> It turns out it's just rosacea, which is something that I have experienced my entire life. So when I found out that it was rosacea, I'm like, it's just rosacea. You know, like, why is she being so dramatic? You know, the way she made it sound like she was going to die from it, you know. And then I had a couple days ago, it started one of the worst flare ups I've had in years. And it's my body reminding me, first of all, quit talking smack. <laughs> 
But also it reminded me to have empathy because for somebody that hasn't dealt with it their whole life, it's concerning. Like if it's physically uncomfortable, like this is not makeup or maybe it's Maybelline <laughs> or maybe it's rosacea. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it is, but it, it was a great reminder that, oh, there I go again, falling back into my old habits, saying bad things about people that I love. And my body said, I'm going to call you out on it. And I appreciate it for that. <laughs> so I had to start trusting my own word because I was willing to make the necessary adjustments in life to keep my word. So you have to ask yourself, do you keep your word? Do you do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it? There are always going to be valid excuses. Life happens, but rarely does life happen every day. And, and you know what I mean by that. Like life obviously happens every day, but you know, like the drama of life. <laughs> when we say, oh, you know, life happens. Like it's very rare that that happens every single day. If you ask the people closest to you, if your word has meaning, what do you think their answer would be? Do you trust your own word? Can you honestly say that you keep your word? Remember, your word is powerful. Are you staying true to it? Or, like I once did and sometimes still end up doing, do you find yourself not meeting your own expectations? Because if you can't even trust your own word, then how can you expect anyone else to trust your word? This is why I think being impeccable with your word is the hardest to honor. Because you're going to have to get honest with you. You're going to have to acknowledge your shortcomings and be willing to change them. And it takes effort. But I know that we can all improve our words to ourselves and to others because it really is just the knowledge that what it's creating, just that knowledge is enough, hopefully, to spark a seed of change. So I'm going to actually end with a quick read from The Science Mind. So this is by Ernest Holmes. Until we awake to the fact that we are one in nature with God, we shall not find the way of life. Until we realize that our own word has the power of life, we will not see clearly. The Bible points out that man has the same power in his own life and in his own world that it claims for God. The word was with God and the word was God. It is an oft repeated but very little understood statement. But what it means is that if any word has power, it follows that all words have power. It means that every word which we hear, speak, or think has some power. And through spiritual discernment, we see that we have within us a power which is greater than anything we shall ever contact. A power that can overcome every obstacle in our experience, and set us safe, satisfied, and at peace, healed and prosperous for a new light and a new life. If God be for us, then who can be against us? The word that we speak is the law of our lives, and nothing hinders its operation but ourselves. So really what that, that is saying is just that, just as God created the world with his word, so shall we create our world with our words. So choose your words wisely. Use your words to be kind and good and gracious to yourself and to others. 
Make your words meaningful by sticking to them. Be impeccable with your word. Thank you very much.